0: Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live steve And summer is upon us in episode 178 today, June 19th, 2020. We have a packed show for you today. Gaming news has Cyberpunk 2077 delayed yet again. Another Realm Studio, Rocksteady Studio, and Avalanche Studio for sale. And new info on. Horizon Forbidden West release time frame. Movie news contains updates on the releases of Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984. Our topic of the day is EA Play Live Reactions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in the detailed section of Google, YouTube, Spotify, whatever it is you're listening to down below. So Steve, happy Friday. Good uh, happy Friday. You know, good to hear your voice and not see you. Wish I could see you.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. No kidding. No, I so I feel terrible cause um, we were making plans to actually be back in the same room together. And so I can actually be looking at you instead of your, your voice waves go across my computer screen. And so, um, I could play uh, with you. I know. And so one of, uh, we, we hired somebody new and I'll just be real with everybody. We hired somebody new in the office and, um, and so what happened was the, her previous employer uh, tested positive for COVID. And so as a precaution, he was contacting pretty much everybody that uh, he had been in contact with just to make sure they don't uh, go out into you know, many public places and just to keep the, the spread of the, of the COVID uh, to a minimal. So um, anyway, she says, well, sorry, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't have it. And she went tested and, and, and she doesn't have it, but does as a precaution. You know, she's not going to be around for a little bit, but, um, as a precaution for me, since I was around her, I said, Hey, sorry, uh, can't see you. I'm, I, uh, you know, better safe than sorry. So I am still at the house, not in front of you. I, I, uh, humbly (laughs) apologize, but, um, I'd hate for, you know, I mean, if I do get it, which I hope I don't, but if I do, then that's uh, a good thing that I didn't go over to your place to help spread the virus. So did you shake her hand? Did you give her no. a big bear hug? That's the thing. I never, I've never shaken her hand. I've never, like, even when she was in her interview days, I, I didn't even shake her hand. I, the, at the very, very most I gave her like an elbow bump. Uh, but that was it. Well, hopefully uh,
0: she doesn't get it. Hopefully knowing that uh, your work gets it. And especially hopefully you don't get it. But yeah, I, right. I appreciate the, um, the precaution of it. It's just, it's one of those things where it's, it's su- such an easy thing to uh, take the, just the simple measures to prevent the pre- that's probably a good way of saying it. Preventative measures. Right. But yeah, I was excited. I got to say, I was looking forward to having you uh, be back over here again. And that we, we were planning on um, that being kind of like my family's first phase of maybe just having our uh, immediate family members being able to come back together uh, when it comes to this sort of thing, not in like a partying sense, but like, you know, having someone like you, my brother being able to come over, still do like the whole elbow bump, like don't touch me, don't touch me. And, uh, (laughs) but still be able to, to do the, the, the podcast in person. So, uh, but it will someday, someday
1: it will resume. It shall be a glorious you know, day that will live in infamy, Steve. Mark my words. Right, it will be. Yes, indeed. Actually, you know what? What else is? Uh, if anybody didn't listen to the previous podcast, we had Big Baby Moose on, and um, it uh, it feels a little empty without Big Baby Moose. I'm going to be real; like I enjoyed having him on the show. It's uh, you know a little extra, a little extra perspective having him on.
0: It was, yeah. I actually contacted him earlier this week just to invite him on this episode, but he was uh, too busy. He actually is on vacation. He took, I think he's taking like... Um, How dare he? I know, right? Yeah, I think he's he's on like a 10-day vacation or something <laughs> like that. I, I, I don't oh, know yeah. if it's like a, like a staycation or what, but I know that they're doing a lot of family activities and that sort of thing. And so good for him! But I agree. I think it's it's always a pleasure to have Nick on the show. What have you been up to? What have you been playing or watching there, Steve?
1: Golly. Uh, well, let's see. The, I think the only thing that I've been playing um, has been Legends of Runeterra. And we made a little bit of history on Wednesday night. We actually streamed live from not only Twitch, but we actually put it on Facebook as well. That was a step in the right direction. It's never happened before. Never happened before. It it had not. I think that was... And even though this week the the cell phone service and and kind of the Wi-Fi, honestly, uh, was a bit of a toss-up. It was kind of a Uh, wonky week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Oh, man, I tell you, it's been a wonky week. Like... The Wi-Fi is great and then it will just completely cut out. And it's the same thing If people, like depending on what cell phone service they have, uh, like calls will go in and out too. And like either we sound garbled or or we can't, like there's nothing there whatsoever or we sound perfectly clear. Like I don't know what is going. I, I kind of think it's, it's the cell phone servers um, going from 4G to 5G because – I mean, and it, everything is not going to go slower. It's going to go faster. And that's where the future is, is is 5G. So it's got to, I'm, I'm totally guessing, but it's got to make me think that they're upgrading whatever hardware they have to do with their antennas or whatever it is, you know, the the major commercial routers that they had. I mean, you know, but um, they, they have to be upgrading their stuff all at once, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, whoever. I even think Spectrum is infected, but... That's a total guess, but that's uh, an educated guess, Russ. Such an educated mm. guess, mm-hmm. especially since some of the like the newer phones are coming out. I mean, uh, we're kind of you're, you know, I think Samsung released their new phones. Uh, you know, we're kind of a couple months away from I, uh, Apple releasing their. Ph- I mean, it, it makes sense to me, but I digress. Um, other than <laughs> so, other than Legends of Runeterra and Twitching with Your Booty. I watched we so we um the wife and I are pretty much all done with Jessica Jones season 2. We're continuing our Marvel Quest on Netflix and I have to say that uh, Jessica Jones season 2 is much better than Jessica Jones season 1. It's not saying it's you know head and shoulders above everything else. But the way they have, you know, written the dialogue with the characters and how stuff is, is happening is, is much, much better than it was in the, the previous season. So it's not so much of a, of a crawl and a, and a gruel to get through it. It's actually quite entertaining. So uh-huh. we're almost done. We're, not, we're one episode away from, from finishing it. We will be done with it by this weekend. And then I think we've got to move on to, uh, like, Luke Cage season two, maybe, or uh, Iron Fist season two. Hey, where are we going? We're going, Russ. I see. But that, I think that's, that's been about it for me. I, I need to get back into God of War. I've been, I, uh, I've started to play Legends of Rotero like before I go to bed, which is probably not good, (laughs) but it's not so, it's not so intense that, that, you know, it gets my heart rate up like watching 24 or something, but I can play it. And if, as long as I play with like AI, there's no time limit. And so I can play it for a little bit and maybe uh, you know get a little closer to opening up a loot box or something. But otherwise, I can just finish it up and you know get in the shower, get ready for bed, and go to bed, whatever. So anyhow, we played a little bit, and I, and I was uh, you know I w- it was a little bit you know fifty fifty. It, it was as close as. To as you know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't nearly as, as bad as it was before, where I couldn't hold a candle and uh, just had to watch <laughs> myself get slowly obliterated. <laughs> so, I was, I was hoping I would get some different cards so I could show you some different combinations of, of uh, some of the, the leveled up characters. But I, every time I would select a deck, I think I selected a, the same deck a few times. I'm like, come on, I'm, just give me a few cards. I'm going to show them. It wouldn't give me the cards I wanted, but anyhow. Fun, never, none, nonetheless. I, I want to get, I need to get some more. Um, I think I might actually put some, you know, a few, couple bucks in that game just to get like a couple of other emotes and a different kind of pet, you know, because I saw you had like the, 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 uh, how do you call it? It looks like a little, um, not an Ewok, what, uh, a Jawa. <laughs> you have a little Jawa looking dude there. Yeah. And I just have the free, like, little, like, horned dog or whatever. Um, you know we needed we needed to get a different play field also because we still nothing's wrong with the grass but well i, I have tons of the-
0: play fields you're the one who doesn't have an, a, no. d- a different play field I have like I think I think I've unlocked about five different play fields unlocked or paid for because I, I haven't
1: unlocked jack
0: oh well no I'm sorry I mean paid for I, I don't think you can ever <gasps> unlock <gasps> them you have to pay for
1: that right yeah that's okay <sighs> Anyhow, so yeah, I just have the default stuff. You know. I think it's worth it, honestly. Anyhow. Yeah, no, it's good to change it up a little bit. I, I just wish they would they would let you get something else, you know, from for the shards that you get. I, I whatever, it's a free game. It's a free game. So you know, you want to pay for some stuff, get some customized doodads, you know, of course, yeah, pay for it. I mean, they gave you the whole game for free. Why not pay yeah. for a
0: couple things? You know what I mean? Well, and I think, you know, a game like Legends of Runeterra is a textbook example, in my opinion, of a, a game that I am willing to pay money for. I, I love the the setup of this entire situation where the game is free to play. It's not pay to win. And what's really great is that if you enjoy the game, then you can put more money or not more money, but you can just put money into the game to unlock additional stuff, which is great because all that stuff is cosmetic. I mean, yeah, if you wanted to, you could purchase um, additional cards if you wanted, but at the same time, Riot has made or have placed a limit as to how many you can buy. I think it's like per week or something like that. And I think that was for when the game was first launched just to prevent people from completely unlocking the deck in the first day and trying to like dominate and all that kind of stuff. So I think there've been a lot of mindful choices when it comes to the the game design and just the overall creation of this game. And so like for me, like I think I've probably spent about a hundred bucks on, on the game itself. And I think it's, it's completely worth it because it is such a well done game. Like, like there's so much about it that I enjoy and I think, I mean, everything from the, the music and here's the, here's the thing too. You're used to just like, like one board, which is like the default grassy knolls kind of look that comes with just one soundtrack that you hear. And it's a really nice song. And, and um, when, as you yeah. unlock other boards, you get also custom soundtracks that correspond to those boards so, like, for me, like, I'll have, I think I have, like, between five and six different types of soundtracks since I have around five or six boards total. And um, it's great because even um, in addition to that, the more guardians you unlock, like, I've unlocked, like, two or three. So, um, and, and it's fun because they all have their own little personalities. I can't remember if I've told you or not, but, like, you know you can click on them and, like, swirl on them and stuff, and they'll
1: they'll interact with you, right? Yeah, I thought about... Trying that, I, I didn't think that maybe not, maybe I didn't do that. I, I, maybe I just tried clicking on, them, but not clicking and dragging because I thought they would do stuff and they didn't. But yeah, they do. Like similar. so, like like
0: if you're on your phone, for instance, or if you're on your computer, doesn't matter. You can like take your finger on your phone and you can like um, swipe back and forth on their head. And so you'll see like an animation okay. for that or like you can tap on them and you can tap on them tons of times and like they'll have a response to that. And, and there, there's like two or three different types of responses. And it's just fun because, you you know, it kind of breaks up the the gameplay a little bit there. And each Guardian has their own animations and reactions and stuff. And so it's, it's just charming. It's fun. But yeah, Legends of Runeterra has been a lot of fun. And I, I was excited that we were starting to... Um, mess around a bit with a live stream. It was by no means a perfect live stream. I was looking at uh, the recordings huh. afterwards, and <laughs> one of the biggest issues was that the the sound was not like in sync with um I don't know, like like just with the the the, the visuals, the actions of what was going on. It was a little bizarre to me. I don't understand what that was about. So I, I did go into the options and settings and. I'm hoping that I can do another test here in the near future and just see if I was able to rectify that um, just because uh, it's not really fun to play if the audio is not synced up correctly. And so um, I think it's it's more of a an OBS kind of situation. The other thing, too, is, is that I'm also trying to figure out how we can bro- um, broadcast simultaneously um, onto additional platforms such as YouTube and uh, Periscope, uh, Mixer and i don't know how to do that at this point in time. So right now we're broadcasting and streaming on both Twitch and Facebook. Uh, at least when it comes to to that particular title. When we're on Xbox, i don't think i don't know, i'll have to uh, it's it's a work in progress, Steve, you know? It's a, like like in all things in life it's a work in progress. I'm going to have to see if i can figure that out. But i did enjoy playing the game with you. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was great you were right. It was 50-50 in terms of the, the victories and defeats. And I was of the same opinion, too, where, like, like there are certain things I wanted to show you. Like, I think that last match, I chose the same deck I used for before because it was one of those situations where, like, none of the cards that I wanted to show you were coming up. I'm like, okay, I need to try this again. <laughs> and then in the, in the the second attempt, I got more of what I was trying to show you. I, there were still cards I, that never popped up. So I'm like, all right, well, next time we play or whatever, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for that. And so... Uh, I look forward to, to many more bouts with you. And, and uh, it's it's such a unique game. I, I would say, I think I've said it in the past, I'll say it again. This is currently my favorite game of 2020, which is crazy because it is a mobile game. And I typically gravitate toward like a console title as something that I'm raving about as being my favorite game of the year so far. But
1: yeah. Anyway, I, I wish, I, I wish oh, there was sorry. a way. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to cut you off. I was. I just want to tell you something real quick. Um, I, I wish there was a way that you could do like a longer battle. I mean, I know that I know the rounds keep counting up. You know, a, you know when you switch back and forth. You know, your turn, the other person's turn, whatever. But sometimes I want to get the really high end cards and I want to play them, and they're all going to be worth nine or ten, or maybe eight um, amount of uh, you know mana or whatever. And but that's towards the end. Uh of, of the whole entire match. And I kind of want to have this epic, you know, card battle because I enjoy all the voices and I enjoy all the graphics and you know what they talk to each other. And you you play the bigger cards towards the end, and yes, it's epic, but if you maybe had like 30 points on your, your crystal or your your pillar or whatever that thing's called, it's uh, called uh, your, a Nexus. Um, Nexus! Thank you. So maybe if you had 30 points. You know, you, it would make the card game a little bit longer and a little bit more epic. You know no? Now, I wonder Ooh. if there's a different mode they might come out with to make that, uh, make that happen. Right. Anyway.
0: And it, it might, well, I, mean, I think there's definitely a possibility for that. I think that um, there is probably going to be a lot of support for this title. It, it's crazy to think about how this game has only officially launched, I want to say, for about a month. It's may, maybe maybe like slightly over a month, but I'm pretty sure it got its start. Well, maybe it got started in May. Maybe that maybe that that's when uh, it went from being open beta to. I I was a part of the beta process, so I uh, at the very end there. So I, I get a little confused about it, but I I for one am, am very much interested to see like what new cards they're going to introduce and and whether or not they're going to introduce new regions. Uh, I know for me. I have unlocked the majority of the cards. I haven't unlocked all of them yet, but I've gotten to the point where, like, if you know, when they do, like, the every Tuesday, they will unlock the, the vault, so to speak, of all the treasure chests that, that you have unlocked during the, the previous week. And most of those cards are copies of stuff that I've gotten, so they just kind of morph into, into additional shards. And so I'm curious to know what they have in store, I would even say for the rest of this year. Like, are they going to be introducing more stuff in there or not? And even if they're not, that's totally fine because the game design is so well thought out and it really, it's like almost every type of battle I get into, it winds up being kind of a a unique scenario unto itself. And I know that we both appreciate something like that. In addition to Legends of Runeterra, uh, I was playing a bit more Final Fantasy 7 uh just kind of meandering about taking care of these little side quest tasks and stuff and um yeah it's it's not the most exciting part of the game I must say it's 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 getting a little goofy it's kind of like that JRPG goofiness quirkiness kind of thing that you know I'm sure you can uh understand what what I'm trying to describe but <laughs> It's, I don't know, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, let's just get through this. And I'm doing it just so I can experience all of that the the game has to offer. Uh, We were getting a little bit farther in Animal Crossing. And I also watched, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Dave Chappelle had um, a feature. It was called uh, 8 Minutes and 46 Seconds. And I watched on YouTube... And uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a stand-up or not. It turned out n- not to be a, a much of a stand-up. I think it was, it was originally intended to be kind of like a stand-up comedy thing. But instead, it was kind of more just him venting about um, what all has been going on uh, with uh, – Mr. Floyd's death and the police brutality and that sort of thing. And and it was really interesting for me to listen to. I, I, I have always found Dave Chappelle to be a very insightful person, despite him being hilariously funny. Like a lot of the stuff that he does is to me, I think, I think he's really funny, but I think a lot of his humor stems from um, a certain vantage point of truth. And so while this one, I, I didn't find myself laughing at all. I found myself empathizing and sympathizing with what was going on and how he was feeling and he had some connections to some of the facts that were going on, uh, at the, and you know, circulating in the media and stuff. And so it was, it was interesting to, to see that side of him and apparently like the stand-up that they did, it was done outdoors. And so all the the folks in the audience were all separated, had their social distancing thing going on and everything else. But pretty you know it, it, it was a, a good opportunity for me to be able to reflect a bit on a lot of the stuff that he, that he had to say and i think everything he said was entirely fair i don't think he was being unreasonable or or over dramatic or anything like that um you, you know as one would guess there is quite a bit of um you know, emotions involved in that sort of thing, but it's not to the point of being like melodramatic or diva or anything like that. Not even remotely, not even remotely close. Now I, we also, my wife and I started a show. Apparently the show is pretty old, but so I, I got to tell you the story. So the, the name of the show is called community. Have you heard of it? Yes. You have heard of it. Okay. I, have I heard of it. Yeah what was really funny was that I was on Google. I was, I was doing um, a search for the actor. I hope I, I'm not sure how to say his name. It's like Kim Jung. I want to say is how you say his name, but like he's the actor from uh, the, the hangover series where, where he's kind of like that, that uh, not mafia, but he's kind of like a <laughs> gangster type or whatever. And he was also in Transformers, Dark of the Moon, you know, Transformers 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of, of, of his acting. I think he's really funny. He's, he's just got this edginess to him and a lot of the stuff he does. I, I don't know. It's, it's very funny to me. So anyway, I was doing a search on um, just the, on his filmography, and I kept seeing these pictures come up of him looking like he's in like a classroom. I'm like, what is this? And so I did some more research on it. And apparently it was a, a show on Netflix and it's based on community college. And you had like a, like a whole cast of, of uh, folks in there. Like, like Donald Glover was in there and Chevy Chase was in there and you had some, some other folks as well. So we started to watch the first season. That's a really good show. And in, in, both Leslie and I were, were laughing. We were marveling at it. It was really funny. that we, we feel like they've captured kind of the essence of what it's like to go to a junior college and all that uh, it includes, whether it's the, the faculty or it's the study groups or it's the type of people that you see when you go to a community college. I don't know. You could tell the, the creators really did their homework on this, but apparently the show itself is like... I don't know, like 11 or 12 years old. I mean, it came out a while ago. I was even talking to our good old friend Brad about it. And he was saying that during one of his San Diego Comic-Con adventures, he scored a signing with the cast. And he and he, t- he took a picture in his house and sent it to me. And he has a framed poster of uh, the community show. And it has all the different, you know, it's got this fun little design on there. And uh, the cast have signed their names underneath their, their respective uh, you know, body poses and that sort of thing. And so he was like, Oh my gosh, you haven't seen that. And you know, of course he took it upon himself to tease me, make fun of me for not seeing a show that has been out for years and years and years. But um, it was really cool. Like we're, we're still at the very beginning of it. I think we've seen about three or four episodes of season one. And, Brad was telling me about how apparently there was quite a bit of controversy with the the crew, the casting crew. Like I guess it was like really really good for the first 3 and three or four seasons and then a lot of drama started to leak about uh, different issues that were going on and Apparently they were able to to stick with it for several more seasons, but then they ended up just canceling the show. And so, uh, I for one, I want to be able to get through it. And I don't know. (laughs) So far, I I just really dig it. And I and Ken, of course, is just hilarious. He plays a Spanish teacher. That's why you see him in the classroom. (laughs) So anyway, it's it's awesome. So going into some gaming news, I've got quite a bit here that I wanted to share regarding Cyberpunk. So, are you familiar with the latest about Cyberpunk this week, Steve?
1: Yes, I. Uh, you know, I was gonna post it uh, their their message on our Facebook page, but uh, decided against it because I figured um, you know, <laughs> so many people were posting <laughs> about it that I I probably hold off, but. Uh, yes, I do know what is going on. I
0: think I, I heard, like, a collective uh, Darth Vader scream, you know, like, from the Return of the Jedi, when he's like, no! But the, I, right. and the, I, and I actually even got texts from a couple of friends who did exactly that. In fact, even <laughs> looking on the Slack channel of work, there were several developers who also did the exact same thing with, like, a long uh, kind of grouping of, of O's next to each other. So CD Projekt Red, just in case for those of you who have not heard, has announced that Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed yet again from September 17th to now November 19th. In a letter from CD Projekt Red, co-founder Marcin and head of studio, Adam, uh, explained how it's going to be, quote, ready. When it's done, it's not just a phrase we say because it sounds right. It's something that we live by, even when we know we will take the heat for it. And the quote goes on, uh, which I, I think is worth reading. So just bear with me here. It says, at the same time, we are fully aware that making such a decision costs us your trust. And trading trust for additional time is one of the hardest decisions a game developer can make. And despite... We think it's the right decision for the game. We'd still like to apologize for making you wait longer. Our intention is to make Cyberpunk 2077 something that will stay with you for years to come. In the end, we hope you understand why we did what we did. At the time we are writing these words, Cyberpunk 2077 is finishing both content and gameplay wise. The quests, cutscenes, and skills and items. All of the adventures Night City has to offer—it's all there. But with such an abundance of content and complex systems interweaving with each other, we need to properly go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix a lot of bugs. A huge world means a huge number of things to iron out, and we will spend the additional time doing exactly that. In quote. Now, with that being said. I'm curious to know your thoughts, Steve. Is that something that, I mean, clearly you are going to be most likely disappointed that it got delayed, but do you care that it got delayed again or not?
1: I, you know, I'm 50-50 with that, but, well, mm, maybe 40-60. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, I want to play it early, but I, I think they took the very responsible route with it. And, Yes, I want to play it early, but I would would definitely be disappointed and it wouldn't leave a bad taste in my mouth if if I knew there were bugs in it and, you know, in playing the game and if other people saw the same bugs that I did, I'd kind of be looking around going, you guys, like, if I see this and other people see this, it would mean that you saw it too and decided to release the game with the bugs still in it just because... You wanted to rush it to to market, and that that wouldn't that would sit worse with me than waiting longer for a game to be perfected and, and and molded into the masterpiece they want it to be. So yes, I waited this long. Yes, I can wait longer. Um, I mean, at this point, I would say, you know, come November, next gen consoles are right around the corner. Like it better be really good. I mean, we. I, I don't. I think this this is definitely like at least the second, if not third time that they've postponed it which again, if they make a masterpiece game, the postponement, no one's going to remember it. it it's going to be forgotten. All they're going to remember is the game. So they're absolutely right. But by November, I mean, give us the game and it better be like solid, you know? Because if, if it comes out in November and there's still bugs, people are going to be going, CD Projekt Red, what's going on, you know?
0: I've noticed on LinkedIn that there are a lot of different job postings and just job listings overall when it comes to CD Project Red that have been up there, I would say, over the last six months or so. And it does cause a little concern from me just because that means they're running into some issues and they are trying to to bolster their staff in order to meet the different um, concerns and issues and that sort of thing that's going on. It doesn't mean that I think the game is going to be bad by any stretch, but it does, you know, there's kind of a telltale sign in in game development. I can't talk. Game development. Where uh, when you suddenly have an uptick in resources that are needed during the last, like, say, six months or so before the game is supposed to launch, It does, you know, on the one hand, it could be crunch, but at the same time, I think it also depends on the the volume of positions that suddenly become available, where, like, they just need to, like, staff up uh, pretty considerably. Having said that, though, it is interesting that there is a Part B to this story, Steve. Cyberpunk 2077 is going to have a free, quote, more robust next-gen upgrade that's going to come to the PS5 and Xbox Series X in 2021. To get into the nitty-gritty of that, CD Projekt Red has confirmed that a three more robust next-gen upgrade will arrive on both consoles in 2021 in addition to the PS4 and Xbox One versions both being playable on next-gen consoles at launch. Microsoft has already confirmed that those who purchase Cyberpunk 2077 on Xbox One will also be able to play it upgraded on Xbox Series X via the smart delivery system, which, if you recall, makes it so that you can um, you only have to spend um, money on certain games once to play them across every system, essentially, in the current-gen and uh, next-gen Xbox family. So the key difference here is that... Apparently, it was not known that um, this more robust update would arrive on PS5 free of charge for users who purchased the game on current-gen PS4 consoles because Sony has not announced an official PlayStation equivalent to Xbox's smart delivery system. So that kind of perked oh. my ears up. I was like, "Ooh." My, 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 is this something that we can see or hear? Otherwise, find out from Sony in a future press release. You never know. So anyway, I think that it is interesting to look at because, again... This reminds me of, of what CD Project Red did with Witcher 3 in the sense where, like, when they had the, the DLC content that came out once the game launched, it wasn't just like, oh, here's some additional cosmetic items, that sort of thing. I mean, they there were times where they actually made the game engine itself much more robust. They gave it performance enhancements, they gave it graphical enhancements, that sort of thing. And it does make me wonder how I'm going to play this game because of this delay coinciding with pretty much when the next gen consoles come out i find myself thinking about how ironic it would be if there really weren't any launch titles for those next gen consoles when they when they come out that i'm interested in and instead i get cyberpunk 2077 and leapfrog right into like playing it on xbox series x for example right and that would then become the de facto launch title for next gen. Because if I'm playing Cyberpunk, I want to play it the best way possible. It just makes sense at that point, right? I mean, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to see. And honestly, it might be kind of a a marketing tactic of CD Projekt Red just because you know that there's this mindset to, to buy games when you have the next gen consoles get released. That's, just, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand, right? Like, you buy a new system, you want to uh, play a, uh, an awesome game. Cyberpunk already has the hype behind it for them to push it back to basically when these systems come out at the same time, people are going to want to probably play that game on the next-gen consoles anyway. It's probably just going to help them with their sales as if they didn't need that much help already. (laughs) It was still going to sell like hotcakes regardless. But the one thing, the one question I have is will the game be delayed again into 2021? And I think that, of course, remains to be seen. And I'm with you. I think that in terms of them getting the game to be the best it could possibly be and turn it into a masterpiece like everybody is hoping it will be, I want to give it um, you know just considerable time. I don't want it to go on and on and on forever because I do think it's at a certain point there's got to be a book into it. And just be like, okay, we fixed it. <laughs> it's ready. It's good to go. So we'll see. I have high hope. I think CD Projekt Red is one of those, those studios that doesn't have to answer to a publisher and that is just absolute gold for a studio where the studio can identify certain issues and concerns and can make the necessary changes they want to make without having some sort of pressure from the outside, so to speak. Anyway, going on to the next story that I have here, Next Gen Mortal Kombat and Injustice Games Plan. I'm very excited about this. I'm very happy about NetherRealm job listing on the WB Games career site, originally discovered by The Game Post, has a job in question uh, which is titled as Principal Software Engineer in the Realm of Graphics. It's not surprising to learn that NetherRealm is hiring for next-gen Mortal Kombat and Injustice Games. Both fighting game franchises have found critical and financial success. So a PS5 and Xbox Series X version makes sense. The last Injustice game, Injustice 2, which was one of my personal favorite fighting games, was released in 2017. It's crazy to think about. It. It's been three years already. With, that. with the, the the latest Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat 11, having released just last year. In recent reports, um, well, excuse me, if recent reports, or any indication Netherrealm could end up being owned. And here, here's, the, this is also, this is kind of a part B to this whole story. So this was pretty shocking to find out, but both, um, well, okay, let me, let, me, let me dissect this a bit. So Netherrealm, which is the studio responsible for the Injustice series and Mortal Kombat, could end up being owned by a new company. As the parent company AT and T is looking to sell the Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment Gaming Division, so just so you know, this division includes studios like Avalanche Studios, Rocksteady, who are the Arkham, you know, Batman Arkham series uh, studio, and NetherRealm. So this this is definitely a new wrinkle as far as Microsoft and Sony and others are concerned, because. These are some really sought after quality studios. And if I'm Phil Spencer, I'm all over it. Like can you imagine if Microsoft Game Studios were to acquire Rocksteady or NetherRealm yeah, and yeah. or Avalanche? Yeah. That would right. be huge. If like I mean if they were just to get NetherRealm for instance and they had Mortal Kombat become a first party title. Or Injustice 3 become a first-party title. I think that that would would really be crazy. And I know that there are other publishers that have, um, I think they've been pretty vocal in expressing interest in wanting to acquire them. One of which is EA Games, no surprise there. I think Activision Blizzard is also really being vocal about wanting it. So I think it's safe to say that there's probably going to be a bidding war to try and and score one or perhaps even all of these different studios. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But regardless of, of which publisher I'm the head of, I'm going to be doing everything I can to try and nab those studios. What do you say? What, what say you? I've, I've been sitting here gabbing away
1: like crazy. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, it'd be absolutely nuts. I mean, um, I mean, we, just, we were just talking about seeing Project Red having, uh, you know, not all, all the pressure of a, of a publisher. And I think if Microsoft knows the success of these games, and they go, you know what? Instead of having you do your cross-platform, you just work for us, and you do what you do, but do it great. And uh, here's a little bit more money for you, just to ensure the the partnership is cemented. I think that'd be nuts. I think it'd be, uh, I, I, don't know. I, th- I think if there were if there were any loose ends or any areas, they would say, you know, we we could be better at it, but because of time and constraints and costs, and we can't get us to do it. Um, I think all those problems will be solved, and um, I mean, a rock study by itself. I, I, it's hard to even fathom what what could what the possibilities would be. Um, <laughs> Microsoft
0: acquired them, you know. I think one of the the questions that I have though is if AT and T ends up selling their entire Warner Brothers Interactive di- Entertainment division. I think that Warner Brothers probably own, well, I know for a fact they, they, I think they own the Batman rights. So I don't think that Rocksteady would be able to create another Batman game unless the publisher were to work out some sort of licensing deal. Because uh, Warner Brothers, and, and again, this might be up for grabs too, but you know, they have Warner Brothers Montreal, which has done like Batman Arkham Origins, and I think they're working on a Batman game right now as well. I'm not exactly sure how all that would play out that's for all the lawyers to get involved with and whatnot. So, that would be interesting. Also, when it comes to NetherRealm, I'm not exactly sure how the Injustice game would continue on because it's a DC-oriented game and I don't know what the licensing rights include with that because, again, because Realm is under Warner Brothers, they probably have access to certain licensing rights and stuff that uh, they may not be able to, to gain as easily. And again, this is pure speculation. I don't know what what exactly they have the rights to or don't have the rights to or whatever, but it, that, that is a thought that popped in my head as you were talking. So the final thing on here regarding gaming news that I have is that Horizon Forbidden West is aiming for a 2021 release with also planning to have no loading screens. So just like God of War for PS4, I think that's going to become much more standard for pretty much every game moving forward into the PS5 and Xbox Series X. And I think it's worth noting that the release date is beyond 2020. So this is not going to be and I don't think this is too much of a surprise, but it's definitely not going to be a launch title for the PS5. I, for one, am very curious to know what exactly the... Like, which games are going to be released at the same time as the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Because I think other than, like, kind of maybe some of the third-party titles that we've seen during, like, like like the Xbox third-party showcase, I don't... I I, I literally have no idea, like, which first-party AAA games are actually going to be available you know, to coincide with the systems themselves. Have you heard of any? I have not. Well, there you go. If Steve hasn't heard, nobody's heard. <laughs> Going into movie news, there's a couple of films that I want to touch really briefly on. First of all, is Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which has had its release delayed once more. So I don't know if, if I can't remember if, if we've talked, I, I want to say we have, but Warner Brothers announced Friday that it has postponed the release of the thriller Tenet from July 17th to July 31st. So not, not a huge delay, um, but the studio will, will re-release Nolan's Inception movie on July 17th instead to honor the film's 10th anniversary, which is crazy to think about how that film is 10 years old. I don't know where the time goes with an extended sneak peek at Tenet attached to it. I think it's it's you know, it has nothing to do with like like any kind of problems with the film or post-production or anything like that. I think it's more of a <laughs> playing footsie with COVID-19 of like, okay, do we release it now or later? Or now? Later. Now? Or later. Oh, I don't know. So I think they're, they're kind of going back and forth with that. But I am glad that Christopher Nolan has been quite vocal, actually, in terms of wanting to get his film into theaters during the month of July. He he's, he's been pretty, I don't know. He's been uh, pretty forward. I would say, which, which I find to be interesting too, in the sense that he wants to be able to, to get those theater chains back open. And I mean, he's no fool. He understands that, that the, the businesses are suffering. They have to open up and he wants to be able to, try and get the audiences back into those theaters, because uh, if theaters theater is closed, that's going to be kind of an interesting situation for all filmmakers move, moving forward. But uh, in addition to Tenet, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 release date has been delayed also once more. The film has had its release date, uh, let's see, pushed back yet again in light of Warner Brothers' announcement Friday that, you know, Tenet is now opening on July 31st. The studio has shifted the DC superhero sequel from August 14th to October 2nd of 2020. So this is the fourth release date for Wonder Woman uh, 1984. The sequel was originally, if you recall, Steve, slated to open on November 1st of last year before getting postponed to June 5th and then to August 14th. We just... You know, all I want is to see another fantastic Wonder Woman film starring Gal Gadot. That's all. You know, that's all I want. That's all I want. I think it's all you want, too, Steve.
1: Uh, I, 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 could, don't,
0: I don't think we're asking for I, too I,
1: much. I could just keep on continuing to, to watch that that preview because that, that preview is, is so well done. <laughs> I mean, that, that's going to be is an on awesome like the top 20 of best previews. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's crazy how this film is just one of the dozens of movies affected by friggin' Uh, (laughs) COVID-19. And of course, I think we talked earlier um, in a previous episode of Joygasm about how Hollywood they're shutting down numerous productions and shifting release dates and I mean, that that can sometimes mean that it, it's sometimes whole years due to the, the pandemic. So this pandemic needs to die already. Needs to like just be uh, expunged so we can get back to our movie going goodness.
1: Russ, right. one more thing you got to mention, Russ. Oh, what is this? It's not exciting, actually. It's uh, it's pretty tragic. Uh, Ian Holm, aka Bilbo, has passed at age 88. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah, I came out uh, today. Unfortunate. Um, I would have loved to have met him at a Comic Con or a Dallas Fan Expo. I was looking forward to it. And man, I tell you. Uh, He uh, he's always going to remain, you know, whatever age he was playing Bilbo because I've watched Fellowship so many times, and I think you know he has—he's not aging, he's not aging, he's not aging—and he was actually suffering from Parkinson's and uh, and passed peacefully in his sleep. So glad he uh, he was able to go in his sleep, but uh, man, we'll definitely miss him. What a wonderful actor! Absolutely, yeah. I've
0: always been a fan of his work, and um, he's one of those actors that. Despite him, pretty like pretty much like like most of the films I have watched him in, he's always been kind of a senior citizen type of uh, actor in, in that regard. I think the probably the the youngest I ever saw him was I think he was in The Fifth Element, and uh, and even then, I mean, he was kind of getting I would say probably in his fifties or so. So it's it's been interesting, but I, the point of what I was going to say is is that. Um, like he is, he was such a great actor and he is one of the few actors that really would creep me out. Like he had the ability to really kind of scare me a bit at sitting there in the theater, whether it was uh, from hell or if it was the little stint in Lord of the Rings uh, where he sees the ring again. I mean, he really had the ability to tap into a certain persona that freaked me out. And I think it freaked a lot of other people out. It's just a testament to what a a great actor he was. But wow, I'm, I'm stunned. I didn't realize that he passed.
1: Yeah, it's so unfortunate. You know, he was also the, the voice actor for, uh, if you saw Ratatouille, you well, know, I know you saw Ratatouille, but he was the voice of the, the chef in the beginning, not Gusteau, but the chef who was trying to sell Gusto's uh, recipes to like, you know, like microwavable meal kind of stuff. Right. That actor. That was Ian. And also, you know, of course, he was in Aliens 1. Uh, That's right. He was you know, he's an alien. Nah, he was an aviator, uh, he was in Lord of War, uh, and he had a, a crazy commitment to whatever kind of role, at least that I saw him in, he had a, a crazy commitment to. I mean, I, I, fell, I fell in love with him when he played Bilbo, like he took Bilbo out of my imagination. Um, man, so anyhow, I wish I could have met him. Yeah,
0: I I found that he had a lot of screen presence as an actor. I think that he is very much a chameleon when it comes to the different roles that he was in and his ability to be able to to blend into these various characters where like you don't really like you kind of sort of recognize him as an actor in the movie, but he's so into his character. You know, it's, it's not like Tom Cruise. We're like in every Tom Cruise movie, it's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise and we love him for it. But like when it comes to to someone like Ian, I think like 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 you just listing those films, I was like, oh yeah, he was. Oh yeah, he was in that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about you know. It, and it just it all kind of comes together and connects. And each one of those those performances were extremely memorable. I I, I remember his role in Alien when uh, when when all of that was going down and um the, yeah. I'll have to properly look at his filmography on IMDb just to properly do the my own little personal memorial for for the, the gentleman. May he rest in peace. Well get ready for even more games because it's our topic of the day! Topic of the day is EA Play Live Reactions. EA Games had their moment in the spotlight, being able to show off which games they had been working on and are going to be coming out later this year and into the future. I have quite a few different thoughts that I'd like to share. Do you mind if I go first on this, Steve? Yeah, Russ, be my guest. Go first. Tell me what you think. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. There, there were some things that I found notably different. First of all, EA hired Greg Miller to host their show. Um, I think that that was a really wise decision for them to do that. I know that they've been kind of playing around over the last couple of years with different types of hosts. I know that they had um, Andrea Renee. She hosted one year and I thought she, I think we both agreed that she did a really nice job and having them go to Greg Miller, I think was really wise. I think Greg is, is a, a terrific personality when it comes to gaming and the game industry. And uh, I, I honestly, I thought he was the high point really of, um, of the show. But one of the things, one of the observations I noticed was that, so when you, when you first start watching it, Andrew Wilson, who's the CEO of EA, he kicked things off and he was talking for two minutes and 36 seconds. And then we go and we transition to Greg Miller and Greg continued to talk and his chatter lasted, um, I would say almost another minute and a half or so. And so, you know, the, the overall chatter between Andrew Wilson and Greg ended up lasting a combined four minutes and 15 seconds before we actually saw any games, which is crazy when I think about how Sony was so mindful of that. And that was actually one of the things I appreciated a lot about with the Sony presentation. They kept their comments to a minimum. It was so pithy by comparison. And it was amazing to me how we were watching for four minutes and 15 seconds of people just talking at us when the whole reason why we're here is to look at games,
1: and so, <laughs> what? No, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I started watching this show, and we just got done watching PS Five and then Xbox, and yeah, PS and PlayStation did it masterfully. And I, you know, I I, I don't want to say that I don't care about these people, but I'm here to watch the games, and I just got done watching. PS Five, or all it was was really games, and now I'm like, okay, who are you? Okay, cool. Can I see what you're working on? Because this is how you're going to get my money. Okay, how long has it been? Okay, Greg, yeah, I got it. Let's let's go. Let's go. And yeah, only four minutes, but I was like, I was done listening to him. I just really wanted to see the games. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, and I th- I think that that you make a good point, which is that. It's not, it's not that we have anything personal against the, the folks who were talking on there because they all have roles to play within the, their respective companies and studios. And they, they clearly um, have a lot of, of pull and, and talent and everything else. But when it comes to this, I think Sony has done the best job so far of really listening to the gamers in the sense that they, we just want to see the games. Now, what's interesting is this lineup that EA had was notably small. Yeah. Typically with EA games, you know, EA as a publisher, they have several um, studios that are under their belt. And whenever they have their press conference at E3, they tend to have uh, quite a substantial showing of different titles that, that are going on. So it's interesting to me how they start things off with apex legends which is a game that is already out. It's been out and it's been successful. You know, Respawn entertainment um, is the, the the developer of that title. It has amassed, I think 70 or 80 million players uh, who have played and, and it's, it's received a lot of critical success, which is great, but it's surprising to me that they kick their show off with this game. You know, more, more specifically season five, And they call it Lost Treasures and they have some additional gameplay stuff and everything else. I'm not an Apex Legends fan. I've tried the game out. I think that there is some novel gameplay elements to it. It it definitely has a lot of um, great thought put into the game. It's just not my jam.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a market for it. That's just not really you, you and I. Right.
0: Yeah. It's the same thing as as Fortnite. We're like Fortnite. I've tried Fortnite out. I think that there's a lot of of quality that that's behind the game. It's just in terms of me returning to play the game, it didn't really grab me. I'm, you know, I'm just not part of the Fortnite crowd. Not to say at all that that the game is bad by any stretch, but it's interesting to me, though, that, that that's how they 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 kicked off showing their games. The second game that they started showing was and it wasn't really much of the game itself, but they had a segment of The Sims where Lindsay Pearson was actually on and she was was talking a little bit about the game. She was talking about how it ties into their gaming community and the more of the the social aspects of it. So it's always great to be able to see a, a college friend like that. She and this is actually not her first rodeo. She has been in front of more of like you know more or less the E three crowd several times now. So it's it's great to see her on there. But having said that, it's interesting how The Sims Four is still in development, and they didn't necessarily show a lot of the novel new game features. They 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 tend uh, to just focus more on the actual community that is into The Sims. And again, I thought that was interesting uh, in terms of the approach. They go from that to then Command and Conquer Remastered, which I believe didn't they show that game last year at E three? Wasn't that that like really long demo? It was like a mobile game or something.
1: Not, you know, I remember them showing the the mobile game, but I think that was different. I thought that was a very you know small minuscule version of Command and Conquer specifically for mobile. I think this was different. I think they did a remaster of like the very, very first Command & Conquer. But um, I just thought it was kind of pathetic. I'm like, ooh, Command & Conquer. Wait, is this Sega Genesis? Wait, what is this? Um, (laughs) Like, why are we showcasing? I mean, I don't know. I was a bit confused. Anyway, go ahead.
0: So anyway, uh, I wasn't really into that title either. And it was a title that was a bit older. It's a title that has been shown at previous E3s and i'm beginning to wonder at this point where are the next gen games because again the the next gen consoles are about 6 months away if that from releasing to the public where are the next gen titles that that ea has been working on so then they go into their their ea original series and they decided to, to to have the spotlight uh, on the game. It takes two, which is by Hayes light studios. They're the ones who made that other game that you and I have enjoyed playing. Way with. The, the, yeah. A way out. And so it was great to be able to see him. And honestly, I I'm, I'm interested in seeing what their next game it takes Two is going to play. Like, I think that the premise is cool. That was, that was probably the, the first title that they showed that I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I made a mental note of that. I'm, I'm probably going to pick it up and uh, check it out. And then the the follow-up after that was another EA Originals developer was working on a game called Lost and Random, which looked a lot like a kind of like a Tim Burton film. It was almost like, like Nightmare Before right. Christmas kind of thing, which to me, it's not a bad thing at all. I think the, the art direction was really solid. I think it would be interesting to see how it plays out. So, I, I mean, again, I made a mental note of that. I was like, okay, well, that, that's looking cool. And then it goes into Rocket Arena. I really couldn't get into that at all. What do you think, Rocket Arena? Um,
1: Rocket Arena looked interesting. I mean, it, it looks like another kind of um, Apex Legends-y kind of game, just with rockets. But I think that that uh, that concept is cool. I mean, I, it got me thinking about playing multiplayer Halo with just rocket launchers and how much fun and crazy and chaotic that is. And so it looked like kind of a kind of a wacky version of that. I mean, I I would definitely be interested and just, you know, give it a, give it a go uh, and see how I like it. Cause uh, if anyone's played multiplayer, first person shoots with me, I'm not a sniper. Um, I'm just kind of a more, you know, one man army. Let's just run into it and, you know, shoot and kick and punch and see what happens. And and so if we're going to blow some stuff up along the way and let's do it. So um, (laughs) that, I mean, I I would, I would give it a go. I'm not crazy excited about it, but I mean, they're, The way they approached it and sold it, you know, through that, uh, through the little interview of just different styles of rocket, whatever. I mean, I I might give it a go. Give it a whirl. Right on. Fair enough. And it might be
0: that maybe if I see more of it or if I'm able to give it a a try or whatever, maybe there will be a hook that will keep me coming back. I'll keep an open mind on that one. Now, they, they segued from that into Star Wars Squadrons, which they gave a, a trailer preview earlier in the week, and it definitely has kind of that, that vibe of um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, a lot of the, the, the classic PC dogfighting Star Wars games from the 90s. Rebel
1: Assault.
0: <laughs> yeah, Rebel Assault, absolutely. And so it was interesting to see the the, the next Star Wars title that is coming out from EA Games. I had a number of thoughts of it. First of all, I'm really happy that they have a, a focus, once again, on dog fighting. It's a, a dogfighting title. I'm, I'm really hoping that the gameplay mechanics are able to hold up to a lot of the classics that are beloved by everybody who's ever played them. I was struck by how the graphics, they looked rather crude. And I don't know if it's because they're still working on the game. But uh, if I were to compare the graphics engine to, say, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and, you know, because they have, they have certain dogfighting sequences in that title, I feel like Star Wars Battlefront has a more polished graphics engine. It just looks a little more impressive when it comes to the dogfights and the space battles, that sort of thing. And th- then that's not to say I think that that's how it's going to look when the game gets released necessarily, but I did make a mental note of that because I was like, huh, this is a game that I assume will probably be available for PS4 and Xbox One, but going into PS5 and Xbox Series X, I'd like to be able to see a graphics benchmark and see what exactly is possible because there's apparently a lot that's going on. I want to say that they probably have designed this title probably more for the current gen simply because it wasn't really necessarily part of the next gen lineup that they had.
1: What do you think of it, Steve? You know, I, I, you know, I wasn't really into Star Wars Star Wars Battlefront, um, even from what I've seen. So to me, it, this looked better. Um, I, I, I am hoping that there is going to be a graphics bump for the next gen. Um, I mean, to me, this was the highlight of the show. Um, I, I've always wanted a a Star Wars next gen kind of Rebel Assault type game where you're just flying different Star Wars ships: A wings, Y wings, X wings. And I mean to me that 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 just sounds really cool. I I would like hope they would put some uh, DLC in there. I want to I want to fly the ship that was from episode 1 that, um, that was like the the emperor not the emperor but the the queen, queen Amadala's like like Cadillac looking ship. I want to fly that thing. I hope that's in there too <laughs> somewhere like, DLC, The real shiny yeah, reflective ship? Yeah, exactly. So, um yeah, no, so I mean it did look cool to me. I mean, I liked all the like the meteors and know uh, you're on Cloud City and these different environments. I mean, to me that really stood out. Um, and I, 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 really want to look into it. Um, I didn't quite grasp like if it was if it was only going to be a multiplayer where you different people had to be the different five players of the squadron, or you had to assign different tasks to the squadron, and it was and you could still do it single player style, and you had to like jump back and forth different roles. I really don't understand that, but I'm I I may have missed something. Um, but to me, that was the highlight of the show because it's been something I've been waiting for. Um, I think. I mean I would hope that it would look better than it did but even if it doesn't I would I would still look forward to playing it.
0: Well, maybe it is going to be the Star Wars title that you and I can play together Steve. That would be a a fantastical ride I think. And by the way you can be you can be my wingman any, anytime Steve. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you could be my Val Kimmer to to uh, to your Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what was that song? The you never
0: close your eyes oh, anymore when I kiss. The Righteous Brothers will yeah. have to play that in the background, which will be a complete
1: and utter distraction oh, since gosh. it's a Star Wars game. <laughs> People would have to like listen to the show to get the inside joke. Otherwise, they're going to turn on the Twitch channel. We're going to be playing it, and they're going to hear the Righteous Brothers on repeat in the background. No one's going to get it, but it's going to be kind of awkward but funny. You've uh, Lost That Loving Feeling. That's what the name of the song is. You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Oh, oh, that <laughs> love. Man.
0: Uh, so they went from Star Wars over to FIFA 21, and that's no surprise. EA has their robust sports lineup, and their FIFA game is, is probably their bestseller. So they went into FIFA 21, but they didn't show any gameplay. Again, it was all like right. kind of more of that 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 in-game cinematics kind of stuff, and then they went into Madden 21 as well. Again, no gameplay. It was just again more of that kind of teaser cinematic kind of stuff. Um, so that was a bit surprising. And then they they wanted to have their like one more thing moment, and I'm thinking, okay, what are they going to show? And they went into a game called skate, which has been heavily sought after by the gaming community. Who's into this title, but they didn't show anything like, like you had these two guys who were working on the game, but they talked for again, like, I don't know, two or three minutes. And that could, I think I feel like that could have easily been summed up by them, like doing something more coy, like, talking for about 10 to 15 seconds and then like holding up like a piece of paper that says skate or something like that, or hold up a skateboard that says skate on it or something. I don't know. Like it could have been done, I think in a much more succinct manner as as opposed to what they did. But I'm glad that the game has been announced. I know that there are a lot of fans out there who are super happy and stoked to to see it and uh, be able to eventually play it. Now, Oh, we were going to say something, stupid. You know, I, was, well, I was going to say, I think that,
1: well, I just kind of think that the show came out a little bit too soon. I think that uh, EA might have thought, okay, you know, uh, Xbox, the big boys came out to play and we want to ride on this train too. And so they came out a little early. I think if they, they took a little more time to perfect their show, um, I think it could have been much better. Like give it a month more time. I think I just think it could have been a much better use of, of, of time, honestly. I, I think there could have been less dialogue, more games, and people would have kind of been able to perfect the, the games that we did see. Because um, otherwise, it was kind of a, just a lackluster a show. I mean, there was a, a couple of small highlights, but other, otherwise, I mean, we it was 50 minutes, half of which felt like it was just talking, and the other half of it was games that, maybe a a couple works were somewhat exciting, but the rest were just kind of so-so, or at least not for for you or me, you know?
0: Yeah, I know that they ended the show by announcing that BioWare, Criterion, DICE, and Motive Studios, which are all under the EA umbrella, they're working on next-gen titles, and they had, like, these really super brief teases
1: and glimpses of what the games are that they're working on. Yeah, but, like, don't tease. I mean, we just got through looking at what next generation stuff's going to look like, or 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 better, and then we go back to current gen, which it's not nearly as exciting as what next gen is going to be. So why give us just a, a little sprinkling of what that, and then just talk about current gen and have us get or have the, the same ex- t- expectation of us getting hot, hot and bothered for for what we currently have, you know? You're setting up my next
0: thought on the show itself. So uh, I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you.
1: You're more than welcome.
0: I think a lot of devs simply are not ready to show their next-gen games as the new hardware opens new possibilities for bigger worlds, even more detail, and novel gameplay approaches that take longer to forge into reality. But having said that, I don't know. I'm surprised that EA wasn't able to coordinate with its studios to have a more comprehensive presentation showing robust next-gen gameplay, like actual next-gen gameplay. And I say that because when I think back to every E3 that we've had where there is a next-gen console evolution that's happening, right? Like, like it's the year that the, that the new systems are going to get launched. There has always been this huge, like, just just um, avalanche of titles that get shown, and it doesn't matter who the publisher is. You see it from Microsoft, you see it from Sony, you see it from Nintendo, if they have a, a system that they're launching. You see it from from EA, Ubisoft, so on and so forth, right? Like, like they're they've been working for years on what their what their lineup of, of games are going to be like, and they have tons of gameplay to show. I mean, if you, if you recall, there are studio after studio after studio that that walks across the respective stages with a controller in hand and they'll play for like, you know, two to five minutes showing off different types of gameplay and real time mechanics and that sort of thing. And so it really gives us a proper idea of what each game can, um, well, really what each game experience can, can be expected. And we just we're not seeing that, and I don't, you know, really limit that necessarily to the EA showing. I think it, it was also prevalent. That was one of the critiques I had regarding the Sony show, and I also think, to a certain extent, with Microsoft. I think Microsoft is probably the the smallest offender in this regard with regards to their their third party show because they did actually have. Um, a number of games that that was showing like you know real time gameplay. I think the problem with that was that the games that were shown were kind of underwhelming. It wasn't like the the next gen jaw dropping triple A amazement that we were all anticipating, and that's a problem unto itself. But you know I think EA also ran to, to that issue as well. Where like none of the titles that they showed had. This ushering in of the next generation experience. So it's I don't know. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I was kinda hoping I would see another battlefield, honestly. I was kinda hoping I would see uh this resurrection of what I've always wanted need for speed to be. Um so I mean there were there was definitely some EA games that I've enjoyed playing in the past that I was hoping that would that would surface with this show. And of course I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see next gen. I mean, we, it's on everybody's lips that we're all talking about it where this, this is the year. And so for them hardly to show anything whatsoever. Um, and especially when everybody's talking about the show that Microsoft had and PlayStation had, and like, you know, the, the lack of gameplay or the wanting to see more gameplay, um, you know, E3 not being there, where, they're, where we're supposed to see nothing but games, and this is their opportunity to shine. It's the whole entire thing is pre-recorded. Um, I mean, it said it was live, but I mean, you definitely know some parts of it were definitely were scripted oh, and were yeah. pre-recorded. So it was
0: pre-recorded. Yeah,
1: yeah. So anyhow, I, I just, I, it feels like they 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 missed the boat, or they're not they're they're either paid to keep their their work close to their chest. Until the system's actually launched And then they could reveal a ton more stuff Who knows, it just seems like We're on this kick of always wanting more Okay, Microsoft showed us what what they had And okay, cool, but where's everything else Okay, Sony showed us what what they had Okay, but where's the gameplay What are we actually going to be playing Same thing with Ubisoft Hey, here's Assassin's Creed Okay, that looks awesome When that was all entire pre-rendered Can um, can I see some mass combat there Or some environments that we're going to be exploring Nope, nothing, okay and then there's EA with okay, here's some current generation stuff with a bunch of you know, it's kind of like this same formula or this theme that that's happening. Only I think it was the probably the worst with EA because not. I mean, I'm I'm fine with next gen titles, but just show me something that's really really cool. And I thought Star Wars was was definitely really cool, but some of the other games I just kind of figured I'd try, and that was it. But um, by and large, the whole show just seemed to be just lackluster. It it just seemed like if this is what you've been working on, or this is what's coming up in the future, it's not exciting. Like I'm not really like putting all my marbles in EA. I might as well put them in, you know, somebody else, some other game company, you know?
0: But I think that's one of the problems really is that I think that the, going back to what I said, the general expectation when it comes to a year where you're going to have a new launch of next gen consoles, you want to see a slew of jaw-dropping, triple-A, forward-thinking, innovative experiences. And the games, even the games that I think look fun and I know I'm going to play, they look like current-gen titles. They don't have that next-gen leap right. that I think we're all wanting to see. Right. Even, you know, like like Star Wars Squadrons, for example, I think that that game was probably designed more for the current-gen than, than the next-gen. But I, I, I'm concerned because we've seen this now with um, Microsoft, Sony, and now EA. And Ubisoft will probably have their own version of it. And I'm not sure what, what we can expect from them either. It's probably going to be more of the same in this regard. But there is a certain tone deafness that I'm noticing where... Uh, the only thing I can say is, is that they're just not ready. The games yeah. themselves are not ready to be shown. And that is a big departure from what we have been conditioned as gamers to expect when it comes to these types of years where you have an, a new system that's dropping. I can't tell you to, uh, at the time of this recording which games are launch titles. I, I for, for any system, I have no idea which games are going to be launched simultaneously with the systems themselves. I don't think we've seen anything that says, you know, and, and of course, they probably have to to keep that under wraps until the till Microsoft and Sony officially announce what the the date of launch is going to be for their respective system. But at the same time, due to the lack of real-time gameplay, I think that's a problem. And also, the lack of titles where it's really showing off what this next generation is capable of. I don't know. It's just surprising. Like like when I think about it, we're, we're in mid-June now. The systems will probably be released, I want to say probably late November, maybe early December, but I think they're probably going to come out ar- around the end of November. So you have five months. And I think that there is a, a certain amount of pressure that has been building up upon Microsoft. As you know, they're, they're going to be showing off their first party titles in uh, July. And They haven't actually said what the date is going to be for that, but I do think that there is going to be a considerable amount of pressure upon Microsoft to make sure that they deliver the goods, not only because their third party showing was underwhelming, but also, too, I think gamers probably share the same sentiment as you and I when it comes to this. And especially considering that they have 15 developers that they've touted as being under them, and most of them have not come out with a game in years. So you know they've been working on games for the next-gen system. I think that's pretty much going to be our last hope in terms of being wowed because I I can tell you right now I, I have yet to be wowed by anything that has been shown so far and it really does make me wonder if there are going to be any compelling games that is going to make me actually go out and buy one of these next gen consoles when they first come out you know like like we've talked before about like like the Sega Dreamcast for instance I think they had like between 10 to 15, definitely t- at least 10, must have titles when they launched that console. It was amazing. I actually had trouble trying to figure out which games I could I could afford to buy alongside the system itself when it came out. And the same can be said when you had subsequent launches of like, like the Xbox One when it first got launched or the PS4, that sort of thing. But my goodness, are these just going to be really expensive paperweights that come out? Like, well, we know the hardware is awesome. We know that the, the systems are brand new, but we've got nothing to play on them. <laughs> and yeah. I also think, too, on top of that, it goes back to the, um, the the statement I made about how ironic it would be that Cyberpunk 2077 becomes the de facto title that you play on next-gen consoles. Like, is, is Cyberpunk going to be the saving grace for these systems?
1: No kidding. Yeah. Anyway, what did you have any uh, concluding thoughts yourself? No. Well, I, I the only thing I, I really think of is I, I know they haven't released the shows for their first party titles yet, so maybe they're just waiting for the last to all, like the, you know, or It's kind of like when you watch a fireworks show; they'll they'll start throwing up some stuff, and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, you know stuff shooting in the air and exploding, and you're. You're kind of seeing some similar stuff that you've seen years prior. You know, it's colorful and it's pretty and it's loud and it's ooh and it's ah. And then maybe towards the end of the show, you're really waiting for the finale. You're like, you know, okay, I've, 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 I've waited in line to get in here. I've paid my money. I've, you know, parking was nuts. And then the the finale happens. You're like, yes, finally! All the fireworks are shooting up, and they're doing all different designs and throwing happy faces and American flags and different shapes and whatever's up there. You're like, yeah! And then you're like, okay, that's what I came for. So I think maybe you know something similar is going to happen where they're all the, the the good stuff. They're waiting for almost like the very last minute, and so the most excitement is going to be. Like like at the, the final show before release of these consoles, and so everyone goes, "Yes, I want that one! I want that one! I want that one!" Oh, just see that—that's going to be awesome. I, that's what I—I I, I have to believe that's what they're doing because with all the hype that's gone into this. The community is, is, is definitely privy to it. I mean, they, they, they know what is going on. They know how cool the hardware is, but that means absolutely jack squat if you don't have anything to really show for it. It's kind of like if you put get by a Ferrari and you put a Toyota Corolla motor in it and it looks really, really fast, but then you get in there and it just feels like a Toyota Corolla, you're going to feel pretty underwhelmed that, man, I was really hoping that to have the Ferrari experience, but I'm not. I'm having a Toyota experience and and the shell of a Ferrari, you know, and that's basically what, what we're, what we're as of right now, what we're looking at. So I don't know. I can't lose hope that the first party stuff is going to come out towards the end of this wait, and it's going to be amazing. So even if it's not, I mean, I, I think I'd still get the system just to play my, my favorite, uh, my favorite library games and, uh, and higher detail and graphics and, and sound and whatnot. But, Yeah, I I can't lose hope, Russ. That's my final thought.
0: So, what would you? Which grade would you give the EA Play Live show?
1: Uh, I'd give it a D. A D.
0: I would give the show a C minus. I I was going back. I was I was oscillating between D plus or C minus, looking at the games that I have made an asterisk next to that I'm interested in. There are a handful of them um, and I, I would also say too in terms of the presentation you know I was really glad to see Lindsay representing the Sims up there. I was glad that they chose Greg Miller as the host of the show. I think it was probably not easy considering how scant few there of titles there were as well as, as what the lineup was but I think Greg did a, a really nice job of carrying the show I am interested in knowing what types of games that Criterion and Bioware and Motive and DICE are all working on because those are all really talented studios. So it's just a bummer that we didn't actually get a chance to see anything uh, super robust from them yet. But it was nice to know that, okay, these are studios that are working on stuff. It's kind of a no-brainer, but at the same time, it's nice just to like have someone say something about that. I'm telling you. Microsoft, don't let us down. <laughs> I want to pick my jaw off the floor. I want there to be drool going everywhere. I want to uh, fill my adult diaper with all kinds of <laughs> smelly goodness due to the fact of your launch of first party titles. I want to crap that cons. Exactly. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoy this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it always helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm. TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30pm Central Time. We will see you next week.